Hey, welcome back to Playlisted. I'm Denise, and today I have a special guest returning for the first time, the second time. <laughs> uh, this is my wife, Beth. Hello again. And uh, today we're going to be talking about uh, Songs of Doubt. Losing Our Religion. Losing Our Religion is the name of the podcast. And ironically, the song, Losing My Religion, that it's named after, is not really about uh, doubt in faith, but, um, but that's what we're going to be talking about today. To start, I like to ask my guests a question that kind of shows a bit of your musical identity, if you will. Mm -hmm. So uh, my question for you is, if for this coming month, you had to erase all your music from your phone and only have one artist's entire discography. So you can only have one artist on your phone, but you can have everything they ever recorded mm. on your phone for the whole month. Who would you choose? Mm. I think it would be pretty hard to get through this month without Beyonce. <laughs> uh, that was too easy of a question for this month. <laughs> <laughs> I, when I was reading over my possible questions, I was having a hard time thinking of answers that didn't include Beyonce for all of them. So that one I thought, you know, maybe, but yeah, I think that's yeah. completely fair. Understandable. Yes. And that's a pretty, pretty thick catalog anyway. It is. Like lots to choose from. You'd have a decent amount of music. Yes. For the month. Good music. Yeah. All right. So let's, um, let's dive into our losing my religion songs about doubt and faith, faith and doubt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the first song that we were going to talk about, I don't remember, we we kind of each chose three songs, but then we also kind of chose them all together, so I don't know if we're really claiming any of these as our own. Um, but the first one that we got is, um, is from Belle and Sebastian, uh, their song, If You're Feeling Sinister. Beth, why don't you start by telling me why you wanted to do this song? I like this song. I think it's my favorite Bell and Sebastian song, but I don't know a lot of them. That like chugging drum and guitar that just goes through the whole, it just kind of carries you through the whole song. Like you're on some sort of a railroad and mm -hmm. just kind of chugs all the way through till the end, which is one of my favorite lines, but maybe we'll get to that. <laughs> oh, the last line? The very last so line. Good. Yeah. Yes, um, indeed. And just the wordplay. The whole song just makes me think of like a small town that's very religious kind of in England or something or Scotland and mm -hmm. like sort of like maybe chocolat, which is more French, I know, but like this idea of all these mm -hmm. little townspeople that go to church all the time, but they all have their own motivations and secret lives and just kind of petty things that kind of make them more human. Right. Does that make sense? Totally. Well, yeah, because the song is like a, a whole bunch of little stories, right? Yeah. I think this is one of the more like humorous songs in our mm choice list and true i love the idea that somebody would go to the church for information and then the vicar or whatever gives her confirmation like just the, that right. the church is out for something and it's not the same thing that the townspeople are necessarily out for and it's right. sort of like just smoothing over problems that are much deeper like angst and existential loneliness and things like that with just this idea that if you're feeling sinister, you can go off and see a minister and they'll make it better. Hillary went to the Catholic Church because she wanted information. The vicar or whatever took her to one side and gave her confirmation. St. Teresa's 
calling her the church up on the hill is looking lovely. But it didn't interest. The only thing she wants to know is how am I and when and where to go? How am I and when and where to follow? How am I and when and where to go? How am I and when and where to follow? But if you are feeling sinister, go up and see a minister. He'll try in vain to take away the pain of being a hopeless unbeliever. It actually just that just made me think of some somebody who I knew back in Vancouver often would say that in a church of a hundred people you have a hundred and one theologies and this sense that like even though it is this community that might be tightly tightly knit and um, and they have all these you know all their own kind of relationships with each other and relationships to the church and yet there's supposed to be this kind of sense of like you know it's it's all the same and yet they're all really kind of off in their own um worlds or different reasons s&m and bible studies s&m and bible studies that was a, that's a very good line <laughs> just some great some great storytelling in this song the idea that you want to just have something to follow and something to belong to something to make your life yeah. less boring and so it's not really that god exists it's just that your church is almost like a social club or somewhere that you go to make yourself feel better about the fact that you're going to die. <laughs> or this need to give yourself meaning in the midst of a meaningless yep. uh, existence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's a so. nice light note, just a very melodic song. Very Right, because I think almost all of the other songs that we're going to talk about uh, kind of go into this more existential crisis, yeah. whereas this one is just kind of like making fun of this way that we try to, you know, give ourselves meaning, but really we're just kind of bumbling along. Yeah, I think he even goes la 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 la. What do you love about the last line? That masturbation might be a better option than going to see a minister. It might be more helpful. More helpful. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> All right. Nowhere to go from here, but on to the next song, which is David Bazan's uh, Hard to Be. Fresh from the soil. To be hard to be a decent human being. Wait just a minute, you expect me to believe that all this misbehaving grew from one enchanted tree. So I came across this song by David Bazan when I was listening to my second favorite podcast after this one mm. <laughs> called The Liturgists. And it, it was mm. a an hour-long interview or exchange, I guess, between David Bazan and Michael Gungor, who's another Christian artist who had gone through an experience of losing his faith and kind of came back. While David Bazan, um, I'd heard his name as the lead singer of Pedro the Lion, which was a sort of quasi-Christian rock group, I guess, when I was in university. 
And I'd heard that he kind of left the band and lost his faith. He grew up Pentecostal with really um, devoted Christian parents and um, that he started this solo act that was really an act that was all about losing his faith. It's almost like more than any of the other people we have on this list, he's somebody who's haunted by the experience of losing faith and just continues to write about it. And I was just really fascinated by their conversation about faith and doubt and what what it means to lose a heritage and a faith. And this song, more than any, gets stuck in my head. His whole album, Curse Your Branches, is really about this experience of losing faith and somewhat to do with his alcoholism and the effect of both of those things on his family. This song, I don't know, there's something different about it. It's very simple, gets at the core of some of his real questions that I think he's had all through his life. Uh, What's your first impression? Because you hadn't really listened to it before. I hadn't really listened to it before. Similar kind of thing that totally reminded me of college he would come up and play in vancouver all the time oh, or right, not even vancouver Seattle, right? trinity western he no was way. always at trinity western oh, wow. and even after pedro the lion i remember friends going to see david bazan i didn't i listened to pedro the lion for sure a little bit but i just kind of lost track of him it wasn't mm-hmm. you know uh but yeah i i really like this one i really like this theme especially when it wrestles with a particular uh, with particular biblical imagery like this mm-hmm. one does. Like, I really like this play on the fall, really. And almost starting his hook comes out of almost like, this is the normal answer to this question that I've been told. Yeah, like he's in a Sunday school class. And yes. it's such, such a simplistic explanation for what happened to humanity. Yeah. And then he this almost is why interrupts it's hard himself. to be a human yeah. being. Yeah, and he interrupts himself and says, wait a minute. Like, yeah. almost like he's the little kid being like, come on, like, you expect what? me to believe this? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, what is the line, actually? The, wait, wait a, a minute. minute, am I expected to believe... You expect me to believe that all this misbehaving grew from one enchanted tree. It's so great. And it's the, this magical explanation for why the living die. Yeah. Like that too. But then he's still wrestling with the fact that it's still hard to be a decent human being. And there's mm-hmm. got to be some reason for that. And even this whole interplay between his family interceding mm-hmm. for him because he's lost his faith. Right. I know, and that, I that, that makes it be hard to be a human being because his family has got this faith that he's not. And ugh, it's just kind of simple words but this you can feel the weight of this whole experience of losing his faith and questioning his beliefs and these different levels i think of wrestling with his faith Mm -hmm. on this very very huge theological level of like the story what do we do with the stories of the bible and then on this also huge kind of worldview level of what do we do with the like shittiness in the world Mm -hmm. Um, and then on this super personal familial level of like, what do I do with my family and yeah. the fact that we believe these different things now. Both his parents and interestingly in other songs in the album, he talks about his daughter. Um, I just wanted mm-hmm. to read a quote from um, the last song in the album called In Stitches. He says, I might as well admit it. Like I even have a choice. The crew have killed the captain, but they still can hear his voice. A shadow on the water, a whisper in the wind on long walks with my daughter who's lately full of questions about you. So his daughter's asking him about God, and he's wrestling with his own lack of belief. So it's kind of generational. Totally. His parents' belief, his unbelief, and then his daughter just starting to ask these questions. Right. It's kind of, I just love the, um, just the rawness of that experience when it's so much a part of you and it's Mm -hmm. haunting all of your songs. You can't stop writing about it, but you can't force yourself to believe. I I also really like thinking about that, um, the fact that he's so honest about that, Mm -hmm. like, this is where I come from, so I can't 
like completely rag on it um especially after when we were kind of looking for songs to include in this yeah. how many songs we found of people just like 100 percent willing to throw it out as yeah. total bs and um which i think there's still a place for mm-hmm. um for sure this one just feels a lot more kind of honest and mm-hmm. i think you said raw it's closer to our experience maybe of questioning because we come right. from that same heritage that he does that hmm. christian home um and we don't come at it as skeptics from the beginning like we have this period of our lives where we embrace it as children and then definitely have gone through stages Hmm. of questioning things and we can identify with that i think Mm -hmm. so let's keep going we have a song from 1994 that both of us just actually discovered today i've had my moments where i really like tori amos but i haven't listened this far back in her discography before and um so this is a a song called god specifically (laughs) wrestling with the kind of God that she believes in, which I really like. I or think this doesn't is, believe in. Or doesn't believe in. Great, <laughs> great call. God, sometimes you just don't come through. God, sometimes you just don't come through. You need a woman to look after you. I think this is Tori Amos at her best. Like you can almost hear her smirking as she's singing, you know, just this. Yeah. I just love it. It's a really funky song. Like it's got the different like added beats every once in a while. It's not straightforward timing. Yeah. The the instrumentation's kind of odd and, but you can kind of scratchy and squeaky. Yeah. It keeps you, it kind of keeps you on your toes. It does. You're kind of like, you never know what she's going to do next in it. I think. Yeah. It's quirky. So we were both struck specifically before we even listened to the song, we were looking up some random things that could work for this episode. And uh, we were both really just struck by that first verse. Yeah. God, sometimes you don't, you just don't come through. Do you need a woman to look after you? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just wonderful. It's a really, it's a feminist song. It's kind of, it's kind of about how God is this like misogynistic kind of like, I don't know, deadbeat dad almost type, or like at least deadbeat husband who Mm -hmm. has violent streaks and abandons you when things get tough. And that maybe having some more feminine, I don't know, stereotypically feminine qualities would help God a little bit. Is she talking about her husband or her father? Oh, God. Sorry. Beyonce. (laughs) I couldn't help myself. (laughs) I know, I know. yeah, I definitely, well, and I, especially when she kind of talks, when she throws babe in every once in a yeah. while, she says, sometimes you don't come through babe. Uh, there's something about babe in the mm-hmm. way that she uses it that's a little bit condescending. Like, yeah. it's that relationship. So she's taking him out of the seat of father yeah. and putting him in a slightly more equal place. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 
even the line about how there's a few witches burning and it gets a little toasty down here. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love the witch stuff. I love that idea. Yeah, you know what? For the one song about doubt that we have by a female artist, this is like as female lens as you can get, yeah, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love the um, the line about will you even tell her if you decide to make the sky fall? Mm. <laughs> Just the sense of like... If you've got this control as this masculine god, are you going to let your sort of feminine counterpart know what you're doing? And, like, this whole interplay off of our human relationships, Mm -hmm. man and woman, with our relationship to a masculine god. And this Mm -hmm. whole idea of, like, if god is man, then man is god. And Mm -hmm. love god herself. I got a quote. Love god herself. I got a quote Beyonce. We're just going to, we're not going to play any Beyonce songs in this podcast, (laughs) but we're just going to talk about her every chance we get. Uh, yeah, no, I think this, I think this was a really important song to include because I think that is something that almost every woman of faith has to kind of Mm -hmm. wrestle with are these masculine images of God. I mean, hopefully everyone has to, but I think especially as women, um, we have to kind of deconstruct this hyper masculine idea of religion and that's a good word deconstruct i think that's what the song does right definitely it's like a, an ironic sort of tongue-in-cheek deconstruction of the masculine god so good well shall we keep going keep going yeah so i think you said that if you're feeling sinister was your favorite bell and sebastian track yeah yeah this is my favorite vampire weekend song wow i I think you remember that i didn't like the song at the beginning i do remember like, that when we first heard it years ago and then because I don't think I liked that little like yeah yeah you thing. totally complained really, about it you're like what is like it doing it's childish it up. kind of like chipmunky sound of it huh. um, but then it grew on me as I kept listening to it as right. I started to think about what it meant and I, I still don't totally like that part but I kind of get it but I think because you're really passionate about the song you should lead off on talking about why you like it I I like it because every time I've listened to it including just now we listened to it to get ready for this. I, I discover something new about it. So I think the, you know, the first time I heard it, I just remember just being like, wow, like he's just totally directly calling out God without being, without a lot of anger. It's so matter of fact. Mm. Um, uh, so Ezra Koenig is Jewish. And so it's this direct wrestling with his cultural background and faith. Mm. And I think that I love it because before hearing this song there were hints of that and then all of a sudden this song it felt like it was um well I want to say release which is kind of ironic because we just watched the the lyric video which is just full of people like shaking champagne and letting it go (laughs) so I think but it does feel like this release of all this like pent-up angst around his Hmm. religious background um yeah and then he's just kind of letting it out and and kind of like feeling sorry for God for all of these places that God has supposedly put all of this time and energy and love into that that have basically Not flipped god the, the bird and yeah. walked away or yeah yeah it's sort of funny the progression of the ones we've done even and i think this was partly intentional with your ordering but it kind of started with the god of our childhood with david bazan well i mean after if you're feeling sinister which was just fun <laughs> then david bazan and then i think tori amos started to bring god to the same level i think you even said right. that but now it's almost like Ezra sees himself as being above God and sort of look, condescending to him, almost like pitying bit, God. Yeah. And you don't even know that it's God he's singing to at the beginning because it's like, oh, sweet thing. Oh, yeah, and then it finally he says, oh, good God. And that's who he's actually addressing is this God that's messed up, 
had all these mistakes and won't even say his name. Oh, look at the faithless they don't love you. of that whole theme of God's name in this? Oh, I think it's so beautiful and tragic um, because it was the first time that I, I mean, as somebody who grew up in the church and went to seminary, I'd only ever heard people talk about God's name as this like really beautiful mystery. You mm. know, like I'd only ever heard of people say like, yeah, God, when God is asked for a name, he says... I am, that I, I am that I am. I will be what I will be. I have been what I have been. It's kind of this like tenseless um, verb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that he's this verb as opposed to just this stagnant noun. Yeah. So I've always heard that passage from scripture, I guess, preached on as a like really beautiful thing. And to hear it kind of like thrown back as this like how can you even exist in this way? Um, how am I supposed to relate to you if I don't even know yes. your name, right? Like, yeah. how can we be in this relationship if you won't even tell me who you are? And, and yet, so so the whole play on Yahweh instead of Yahweh, and yeah. it's kind of like meant to be like, we don't know how to pronounce this. And then also, like, Jews aren't supposed to pronounce it. And he still doesn't. Like, mm-hmm. he's not... He's not just using God's name. He's actually intentionally not using God's name. Like, mm-hmm. he's using a play on God's That's name. That's true. So he's still being a good Jew. <laughs> Ironically, yeah. And I, and I think even though the direct references are the story of Moses, I can't help but think of Jacob. And not to make this a total Bible study, but Jacob is, is the character that gets to wrestle with God directly mm. and where we understand that God is actually inviting us to converse with him on our level um Mm -hmm. and even call him on things which is an interesting undertone to this whole podcast because i think we have people who have Mm -hmm. grown up in faith and some of them have kind of left that behind some of these songwriters and some of them Mm -hmm. haven't but this idea that wrestling with faith can actually make faith more real more honest and and deeper in the end it doesn't actually Mm -hmm. mean necessarily letting go of it altogether Mm -hmm. but that if we have a faith that doesn't ask questions it doesn't doubt that it's actually maybe a weaker faith and that it won't last through some of the crises that we face, the crises. Right, or is it even faith at all if we just take it carte blanche? And it's not, it's just a surface level thing. Right, and it doesn't actually go anywhere or or change the way that we would act, right? Mm-hmm. Like the folks in If You're Feeling Sinister, their faith or their relationship at least with a god or or their church it doesn't actually affect mm-hmm. any parts of their life. Right. Uh, this is a wrestling. This, this song is... is like very direct conversation with God in a way that we don't think we're allowed to have sometimes. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's very much like a psalm in some ways because I think David and his psalms in the Bible really 
wrestle like at, was really angry with God sometimes and really didn't understand and, and was able to say that in a really honest way. As our first and only hip hop addition to this playlist, we've got Commons gaining one's definition. In some ways, uh, this works as being very direct because it's called G-O-D, which spells God. But uh, but also, in some ways, if some of those other songs we've already listened to uh, deconstruct faith, I think this one does a bit of that too, but it also does a bit of reconstructing. Um, it definitely doesn't feel as angsty as the other ones. Common, Common is a good, faithful, Jesus-loving boy. He like, yeah. And he's solid in that. But he's also introduces some variation from like what he would have grown up with, mm-hmm. kind of talking through some of uh, some of his just growing up with religion and uh, growing into a respect of other ways of experiencing faith and seeing the world. My favorite line was "Curiosity killed the catechism." Yeah, it's pretty classic. It's a great line. So good. There's a little bit in both his and Silo's uh, verse of pulling apart this idea of a white Jesus and a white God. Yeah, I um, liked that. Uh, kind of wrestling with this idea of, like, white as good and black as bad. Mm-hmm. And um, I think both of them kind of call that out. Yeah. But then I, I like how CeeLo also says, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to say that the devil is white either. That he right. seems, he finds good and bad in, in both, in all races and all people. And so it kind of deconstructs the whole idea of there being a race associated with either the divine or goodness or evil associated with a certain race. Right, right. I really like the song a lot. Like It's chill. It's got like a good groove to it. It's so chill. The whole that whole album is so chill. Mm-hmm. And I I mean Common is just probably one of my favorite rappers to just like sit to. Well maybe less of his new stuff, but especially his like nineties stuff, I just feel like it's perfect coffee shop hip hop. Maybe that's not giving it enough credit because it's no. so, so brilliant. Like you want to listen to yeah. it, but you also don't need to because he just has this like soothing, almost like a yoga voice, you know? Yoga voice. <laughs> what do you make of him saying still that only 140,000 are going to get home? Shoot. I knew you were going to ask me about that. Because that one really, like I was reading through the lyrics as we listened and yeah. it's like he's totally deconstructing. He's even bringing in like that there's elements of Tao and Islam mm. and other things that he can get behind. But then he goes back to this very, like, I don't know, a certain kind of eschatology and idea of there only being a limited amount of people that get into heaven. But maybe he's right. is he yeah. questioning or mocking it, like, or is he actually believing it? I wonder, this is just my thoughts right this instant. Okay. So I might not stand by what I'm about to say, but... Because right before that, he, like you said, like he kind of like opens it up to an almost universalism. Yeah. And then he brings it down to this really specific number that can actually get there. And I wonder if it's the sense of like, the point isn't how maybe some of the specifics, your specific language, whether you pray in Jesus name Mm. um, or not, uh, but it's still really hard to achieve yeah. This actual sense of, like, I wonder, because he repeats it, I don't think it's just a, a kind of cynical poke at the particular number. Right. Because um, I think he's kind of saying, like, yeah, but when it gets down to it, maybe it's it's still a calling to a really narrow way. No, I see what you mean. Maybe. But maybe I don't know. the narrow way is different than what we've been taught. Like, right. it's not 
yes. believing in this one set of tenets. It's actually the way that you act. Yeah, yeah, right, right. You're kind of going back actually to the David Bazan, like, yeah. like how difficult it is to be a good human being yeah. as opposed to kind of checking off a list of particular statements of belief. That you uh, still hold to. Also known as... Catechism. Catechism, right. <laughs> hey. Oh, connections. religion as emblem be a natural way of life. Who am I or they to say to whom you praying, right? That's who got you doing right and got you this far. Whether you say in Jesus' name or hum do a law, long as you know it's a being that's supreme to you. You let that show towards others and the things you do. Cause when the trumpet's blowing, 24 elders surround the throne. Only 144,000 gon' get home. Only 144,000 gon' get home. Only 144,000 gon' get it, baby. I also, I would dig anything, anything that CeeLo's voice is on. I agree. Like, He's such it doesn't a good matter if it's, yeah, Goody Mob or Narles Barkley or his solo stuff. Like, but no, especially when he's featured on a, on a rap verse. Would, yeah, um, they use both of his talents because he's got such yeah. a distinctive voice, but then also is just really good at hip hop. So, yeah, lovely. Yeah. I, good at hip hop. Can I say that? That's a weird thing to say. It is kind of a weird good at, thing to good say. Good at the but... raps. Good at rapping. Oh, gosh. <laughs> this is why we only included one hip-hop song on this playlist. <laughs> okay, let's wrap it up. Wrap it up. Last, Last song. song is... It's going to be Getting Ready to Get Down by Josh Ritter. And this is um, one that I started listening to because we had decided to go see Josh Ritter live here in, Van- in I said Vancouver. Toronto. Almost. Here in Toronto. We live in Toronto. We live in Toronto. And uh, and I wanted to hear some of his newer stuff, and I realized that his whole new album, uh, Sermon on the Rocks, kind of like David Bazan's album, is all about faith and deconstructing faith with themes around that. And um, it's a slightly more, it's a lot more upbeat than the David Bazan album, mm-hmm. with more of a tongue in cheek than maybe he has. But <clears throat> I really, this song sticks out because it's just, it's fun, and it's such a good way to end our. Our podcast, I think, and yes. also brings back a little bit of the feminine. I think that Tori Amos brought up. So even though there's a man even singing it, I think man's point of view. Yeah. I think there's some ideas of virginity and expectations that religion places on women, in particular, that mm-hmm. are deconstructed here. So I like that. Mama got a look at you and got a little word. Papa got a look at you and got a little word. The pastor got a look and said, y'all are better hurry. Send her off to a little Bible college in Missouri. And now you come back saying you know a little bit about every little thing they ever hoped you'd never figure out. Eve ate the apple because the apple was sweet. Kind of God would ever keep a girl from getting what she needs. And I'm getting ready to get down. Getting ready to get down. Getting ready to get down. Now people cross the street when you walk in their direction. Talk between the teeth and throw an epithet. And the doctor thinks the devil must have got you by your senses. But to live the way you please doesn't sound like possession. It's four long years studying the Bible. Infidels, Jezebel, Salomas, and Delilahs. Back off the bus in your own hometown. Say you didn't like, but then you probably won't like me now. But I'm getting ready to get down. I'm getting ready to get down. I'm getting ready to get down.
Do you think that's why he kind of almost puts this in a woman's voice, like, or puts it in a female story? I was reading an interview with him where he said if he had done it from a man's perspective, it, j- it would have just been footloose. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> Which yeah, has I see. been done, although this has been done too, like the woman who's been so kind of hard done by by faith that she has to be sexually liberated. But I think this is more interesting than maybe than a guy. It's pretty much our story too, isn't it? We went to Bible seminary. College being all pure. All pure. And then we came back a little less pure, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Um, definitely having to worry less about what other people thought as opposed yeah, to what we the, actually the, the dams that believed. you're giving. Yes, the dams <laughs> you're giving. That's probably my favorite moment in the song. Uh, lots of good moments, though. Yeah, he's Just so really good with words. So good. So good with words. Yeah, uh, I, I always like his verses better than his choruses. It always feels like the choruses are a chance to, like, just take a break and groove out for a little while, and then he gets back to the really intricate kind of... Yeah. wordings on the verses that's true his courses are always just repetitious r- repetitive yeah yeah like, it gives you a chance to actually think about what you heard yeah you know yeah because you're not listening for the lyrics to change in the chorus so <laughs> true you can have a chance to kind of process and it's about dancing i think it's about being free in love and actually getting permission from the bible in a strange backwards way to have some more freedom to enjoy the goodness of life and the goodness of creation, I think. Yeah, because he's kind of, I mean, it's pointing out the hypocrisy behind mm-hmm. this kind of like fear of, especially I would say sexuality. Yeah. Um, but then this play on what that, how that comes across, like it's so dry, it's as dry as the KJV. Dry as a page from the King James Bible. Yeah. And then. Um, <laughs> Jesus hates your high school dances. No, this, this, yes, that, the verse that leads up to that, no ooh no hell yeses. I can't wait. No, I can't wait till I got to see you again. Is it's void of passion. Yeah. And yet the Bible is supposed to be all about love. So how do we even reconcile these two, like this fear of passion, essentially. And yet the Bible is so full of passion. Or and the so, complexity. Or has, in the, like it talks about mm-hmm. her discovering for her for, for a long years, studying the Bible, infidels, mm-hmm. Jezebel, Salome's and Delilah's like all those characters that, defy the sexual the expectations yes. of their sexuality being pure and virginous and whatever in that same article i was reading that was interviewing um josh ritter he talked about how he sees biblical imagery almost like tarot cards that he can draw on mm-hmm. to to mean a lot by just saying you know by just saying abraham and isaac it brings this whole it unpacks all of this sure. meaning and that he almost uses a lot of biblical imagery just to um, trigger these things in our brains that are going to happen for all of us every time we hear just a short little phrase. And I kind of liked that idea. It reminded me of some of my English teachers talking about how um, we all need to be biblically literate because it helps us understand so much other literature and so much music so much and art. art in general. And I think even in this podcast, there have been artists that maybe maybe the reason why they look at doubt and faith is because there is so much cultural meaning wrapped up in all those things, even if it's not as personal a journey, they can actually tap into a collective sort of consciousness of, you know, people who have been raised with this background of Christianity and and really say some interesting things that are going to make everybody think. Or, well, I was also thinking about how this one and the David Bazan and a number of others that I can think of are specifically talking about uh, the creation narratives mm-hmm. in Genesis or yep. like, or the idea of the fall where... Um, Eve ate the apple and the apple was sweet. Yes. And so I want to know what you think about why that specific Bible imagery 
is used so much. I think because it's the paradigmatic story. It's supposed to be the story that explains why everything is the way it is Mm -hmm. and that Christians often point back to. And it tells truths about who God is, but maybe not in a way that has messed so many of us up in in such a specific, literalistic, um, explain everything kind of way. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's art that's getting at the ideas of what what got us into the position that we're at. But mm. when we use it in a more scientific way, it just gets it brings us into this experience of doubt that I think mm. some of these artists are trying to unpack. That story is kind of used to explain away a lot, so we kind of need to we need to dig deeper, play with it past the surface level, and that's what I think a lot of these musicians do. Yeah, for sure. In a way that that catches us off guard and sort of disarms us. Because it's music and it's art and it's not just somebody telling you you shouldn't believe in something, you know? It's it's actually sneaking in. Yeah, and giving permission, I think, yeah. to to ask those questions and not feel like you're giving up on everything you've ever believed. Or um, that you're alone in Or everything them. that you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why I really like that we included some of this other stuff that kind of is like, yeah, but we know this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like gaining one's definition, but also even this song, the bit about the giving a damn, my favorite bit. When you get you know, damned just, in the popular opinion, it's just another dam of the dams you're not giving. <laughs> right, which is really kind of this sense of like strength in your in your opinion or your or what you do know. Like know mm-hmm. what you know and the rest is maybe just details. Cool. So there's theology for you on playlist. Ed. From it's, your two pastors who yeah. have their doubts. Yep. Doubts aplenty. Thank you, Beth, for joining me on this podcast. Anytime. You know where I live. I'm, really, I'm close by. <laughs> You're kind of my default when I have That's okay. a couple people back out. <laughs> yeah. I can um, be a default. But you're wonderful and great, and it's really fun to do this with you. Likewise. So. It's been a good afternoon. And thanks to the rest of you out there for listening, and we'll see you again in a couple weeks here on Playlisted.